Hey, what's up, everybody? So I just, this series, this continuing uh, salvation series, now we're talking about the topic of faith, and I recorded about an hour, so I split them up into two different parts. So here is part one. Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. I pray that you're all doing great. Today, we're finally continuing our topic and series on salvation. And the last uh, few episodes that we had were on the topic of grace, which precedes everything. Everything that we have uh, that is good, true, and beautiful is grace as we participate in the very life of God, which are what he is by nature, we become by his grace. So grace is everything. He brings us uh, all the good things that we uh, that we have that we are uh, inclined to do and for our hearts to be moved by that good is grace working in us and to be brought to faith as a grace and to continue in that faith and to participate in his grace is grace itself, right? So as we said at the end of our lives, we're going to, uh, God, when he judges us, which will be based on love, which will be next episode, don't want to get ahead of myself, but when he judges us, he's going to crown his own gifts, the church says, right? So everything that we have is his. It all It's all him. It's all God. And he calls us to participate with our free will. So today we're going to be talking about faith. And I want to talk about faith uh, in a few different layers. First, first I want to talk about faith and reason. Like, why should anybody have faith? So let's say, you know, this is a common, uh, a, you know, uh, issue or stumbling block for people who don't even believe in Jesus. Like, why have faith at all? You know, is like, is that contrary to reason or do I have to give up science? Do I have to believe that the world was created 4,000 years ago and not evolution? Like, like I believe in science, but I'm not, uh, I don't have faith, you know? So let's talk about that. Then we're going to talk about what the church means by faith. Um, and then we're going to be talking, that's going to be pro- the bulk of the today's episode. Then we're going to be talking about uh, faith. Um, and when we talk about the church and what the church means, we're going to be diving into uh, all the New Testament letters, but particularly we're going to be focusing on St. Focusing on Paul, who is the apostle to the Gentiles, who is preaching the grace and saved by, by grace through faith, working itself out in love, right? And so um, we're going to be talking about that, but we're also going to be talking about faith uh, from St. Paul, where a lot of people will highlight these things and say, see here, it's faith alone. So we're going to be talking about faith without works, what that means in Romans and Galatians and, uh, and throughout, but, um, and then faith of Abraham. So Abraham is the father of faith. And so that he gets brought up many times in the new Testament letters and, uh, in Hebrews and throughout the letters of, uh, St. Paul. And then we're going to be talking about the faith alone, faith alone. Like, can a Catholic say faith alone? Or like, what do we mean by that? When can we say it? When can't we say it? And I'm going to give you like a background of the history of that. So, and how that came about. So let's dive right into it. So faith and reason. And I actually want to start out by quoting some Fulton Sheen. Oh my goodness. I, uh, over quarantine was listening to a lot of Fulton Sheen and he is the man. (laughs) Fulton Sheen, pray for us. So Fulton Sheen says, faith and reason. Faith is not contrary to reason. Faith perfects reason. Faith is to reason very much like a telescope is to the eye. A telescope allows the eye to see worlds and stars that we could not see with our own eyes. Faith enables us to see truths that we couldn't see by reason alone. Human reason is stronger with faith than without it. Just as our senses are stronger with reason than without reason. An alcoholic loses his reason and can't walk or talk well. His senses don't work well. 
His senses don't work well because God intended that the senses would be perfected by reason. So too, reason is perfected by faith. And Fulton Sheen gave an example of why when people lose their faith, they typically will be able to describe that once they lost their faith, they found it that their reason didn't exercise itself as well as it did before because their mind is wandering and is confused. Like, where is the truth? And they just, it's just a, all these temporary things and it's based on emotions and everything like that. But faith perfects reason, reasons. And I couldn't figure out who said this quote, but I heard this quote before when I was becoming Catholic. <clears throat> and it was essentially, uh, uh, it said that philosophers climb to the mountaintop only to find theologians that have been there for two millennia. <laughs> so essentially saying that uh, theology picks up where philosophy leaves off. And so again, faith perfects reason. And here's a uh, beautiful quote from Pope John Paul II in his encyclical letter, Fides et Ratio. And this is um, about faith and reason, are how they're complementary, right? So faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. And God has placed in the human heart a desire to know the truth, in a word, to know himself, so that by knowing and loving God, men and women may also come to the fullness of truth about themselves. So again, faith perfects reason. Another way to think about this is think of faith and then science. Typically, that's where people are like, well, I believe in science. I'm not really into religion. Well, what does science prove? It, it, science is seeing how, like, how things work and uh, what causes and effects, but it doesn't say why. And it is intrinsic and it is inherent to science uh, and to the scientific experiment, which it came out of Catholicism, um, to observe things that react and everything is to, to have faith that there's a consistency and an order to things and there's going to be a cause and effect, but also can't explain why there is a world and what was the very first cause, right? Because everything was created and so therefore where did, who created it and or what created it, right? So anybody that says, well, I believe in science and not religion, you can say, I fully believe in science because, well, one, uh, science came out of the Christian tradition, out of the Catholic Church, scientific discovery, scientific uh, um, continuation, and even the big thing, big bang theory came out of the founding from a Catholic priest who knew uh, Einstein. And so we love science because guess what? Science is uh, finding and discovering how the world works, how God himself created it. And when we come to know the creature better, we get to be able to better know the, the, uh, the creator better, right? And so um, science, and we, another thing we can say is science can never contradict faith because if, if science proves something that contradicts the faith, then the faith is false, right? But that can't happen because it has the same source, which is God. So our faith perfects reason. And also that faith and science or faith and reason can never contradict each other, right? Because it has that same source of God. So if one, if they contradict each other, well, then they can't be true. So which one is true? And so we fully embrace all science discovery because we're not afraid of that. We love science. We embrace it. The Vatican has like one of the largest um, funding in the discovery of the universe. (laughs) They have it right in the Vatican. So um, we love science. But science has limitations as to the biggest question, why? Why do things exist rather than not exist? And all all of those big important questions that everybody asks. And it presumes that there is an order that was created, that there is a cause and effect, right? So, and we, every single day, we operate in, in, in a faith that stuff is going to work, that we have no idea how to work. 
I, I don't know how to fly a plane. I don't know how they create it. I don't know how they created my car. I don't even know how the thing works, but I just do it because I have faith. And it's a, and obviously that's a, uh, people would say, well, that's an evidential like faith, like you, because everybody has it, has it, drives it and everything like that, but you still go under the assumption that it's going to work. Right. So, uh, I get the, the caveat there, but our faith is really no different in that because God has fully revealed himself and we have faith in the person who revealed it, which is God, the almighty creator. Right. So, um, so again, faith perfects reason. And also, uh, in the, I believe it was the 1800s where the enlightenment came in. So then a lot of people were saying, well, and it was like a Gnostic, uh, heresy that was in the very beginning of the church, this reason only, you don't even need faith. You just need reason, um, to know truth or to be saved or whatever. And it was like, it's like this salvation by knowledge, like this special intellect that people have, and that's what they're saved by. And so that all of a sudden people, uh, were, you know, saying, well, no, I, did, I need faith. And then the other side was saying, no, I need reason. But as always, the correct answer that the church proclaims is right in the middle. You need faith and reason. You can't have one without the other. And from a biblical perspective, they're both right in there. Uh, reason is is explicitly uh, referenced in salvation, in the context of salvation in Hebrews and in Romans 1. Romans 1, St. Paul says, uh, he talks about how for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them ever since the creation of the world ha- his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So he's talking about reason there. People can come to reason that God exists and they, and they can uh, come to, to know God through that. And in Hebrews in chapter 11, verse six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So seeking God is uh, foundational to to faith. But so it's it's reason right in the Bible. So you can't just say, well, it's faith alone, but because right in the Bible it talks about reason, even from a salvation perspective. But also without reason doesn't make any sense because from a biblical perspective and from just uh, uh, what God has revealed, you have to put your faith, your trust in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, revealing the love of God. And so in conclusion, faith perfects reason. So what do we talk about faith. So faith is a gift. It's a grace. Faith is one of the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Theological virtues meaning that they relate directly to God and dispose us to live in relationship with the Holy Trinity. And that's actually quoting uh, paragraph 1812 from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And faith, hope, and love are referenced in uh, St. Paul's letters, uh, in particularly 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where he says, faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. And without love, you're nothing. You could even have the greatest faith to move a mountain. If you don't have love, then you're nothing. And he says this in Romans 5, talking about uh, justification and in in other places as well. Um, And so I highly recommend anybody to pick up the catechism to read any, any, if you want to know anything about the faith. But the uh, parts of faith, hope, and love are paragraphs 1812 to 1829. So... And actually, I was preparing this a while ago and just was never able to do it. But on April 27th, when I was preparing for this, I saw this has happened before. I saw when I was driving a license plate that said CCC 1816. And so I always took that as, all right, this is a sign from the Lord to go read Catechism that number. So then I went to pick up the catechism right away, catechism 1816. And this is what it reads. So I'll read just this one paragraph and guess what? It's on the topic of faith. 
And here's what the paragraph reads. The disciple of Christ must not only keep the faith and live on it, but also profess it, confidently bear witness to it, and spread it. All, however, must be prepared to confess Christ before men and to follow him along the way of the cross, amidst the persecutions which the church never lacks. Service of and witness to the faith are necessary for salvation. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. And that's referencing Matthew 10, 32 through 33. And so as we have said before, you are saved by grace through faith, working itself out in love, right? And this is a perfect combination of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 and Galatians 5, 6, where Ephesians 2, 8, uh, 8 through 10 says, By grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And in Galatians 5, 6, when he's talking about versus uh, Christian freedom in the spirit versus the the uh, Mosaic law, he was talking. He, he's talking about circumcision. Do you have to become a Jew in order to become Christian? And the church already dogmatically defined that in Acts 15. And so he's just professing what has been revealed to the church uh, that spoke from Peter and the apostles, right? So he says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? So I just went on a little extra there, but it kind of shows just a little bit more of how important love is, right? And so, and to keep straight on that path and we can be severed, uh, you know, it talks about that in Romans and Galatians and, and in Hebrews and all throughout. And Jesus talks about being cut off, you know, so um, we have to continue walking in those good works because we should walk in them and we are prepared for those good works in Christ Jesus. It's Christ Jesus who does his works through us, right? And good works in the in the moral life and, and, uh, and just the Christian life of freedom of walking walking in the spirit, right? So, um, and so this is what we mean by faith. So it's obviously an intrinsic part uh, for our salvation. We have to have faith, right? And this is what we're going to talk about um, a lot right now. But so faith, when we mean faith, it's not just like an intellectual consent because a lot of people say that, well, yeah, I believe Jesus died for my sins and I think I've done nothing wrong and all these things, right? That is not what we mean, we mean by faith and that's not what the Bible means by faith. Faith in the Bible, uh, the Greek word for it is really means like trust, like trusting in a person, a life-giving relationship. And so through that faith of being in the relationship of the person of Christ and trusting his, his every single thing that he said because of what he did and who he is, that is the trust that we're talking about, a surrendering of your life in obedience of faith that's referenced in Romans 16, 26 and Romans 1, 5. He talks about an obedience of faith and faith, humility, and obedience that go hand in all hand and Hannah intertwined. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But here's what faith is from the Bible, from uh, just two quick verses. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so you have to have faith. And what's interesting about that is uh, that verse is because right in that verse, uh, the author of Hebrews is talking about how even those who don't know the fullness of revelation in Jesus Christ, but they seek after God are people who have faith, right? So he's talking about people who are using reason, but they also have to have faith. <laughs> without, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those who would draw near to him and seek him, uh, he rewards. And another scripture verse that highlights the importance of faith is Romans 14, 23. It says, 
St. Paul says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And the whole chapter is on what uh, one eats and or drinks or is Jew or Gentile, right? So you have to have faith. Um, and so what we talk about as faith isn't just some some arbitrary thing that is like, oh yeah, I believe that that Jesus is God and he died for my sins or just some like flimsy faith that is not expressed. No, we talk about what we, we distinguish between uh, saving faith and faith is that saving faith is a faith expressed in love, a faith that your whole life is consumed by the gospel, by the person of Jesus Christ. And so faith is not a wish to believe or will to, or, or just a will or to believe something that is contrary to reason. Faith is not believing as if something was was true. Faith is acceptance of truth on the authority of God, revealing as manifested in the word of God and scripture and tradition served by the church, right? And so what we mean by faith isn't some arbitrary, loose, uh, Gnostic thing that like is like, oh, my intellectual consent. Well, my intellectual consent leads to an expressive, my whole life is changed because of the person of Jesus. Why do we even believe in the Bible? People will approach the Bible and talk about how I was just watching Last Chance You and the guy was like, always talking about the Bible, the Bible, the Bible, but he hardly ever talked about Jesus. And the scriptures, he he tells a lot of stories from the Old Testament, but all the scriptures revealed Jesus. And so it's not just to preach the Bible, it's Jesus who fully reveals the uh, God's revelation to his people that is also expressed in, in scripture. And so it's the person of God revealed fully. So our faith is not some arbitrary thing. And we believe the, the Bible because of the revelation of Jesus and his, the historical reality, reality of Jesus proclaiming to be God in his resurrection, affirming that reality and that he created and founded a historical fact, historical Catholic church who gave us the Bible. Uh, so so we, it's not an arbitrary belief. Our faith is expressed and our faith is in a person, not some things, some, some wish to believe things. Faith is a participation in the life of God revealed. And in faith, two persons meet, God and ourselves, right? And in that relationship with God and ourselves, that that faith brings us into that relationship, that participation in the life of God. It's a life transformed by the person you're in relationship to, right? So uh, Jesus, St. Paul, and James all talk about this. Matthew 21, 28 through 32, James 1, 22, and Romans 2, 13, where it's not the hearers of the law that that are saved. Guess what? It's the doers. It is the doers of the law of Christ who are going to be saved. So it's not just a mere hear, mere intellect and assent, although it is that, but it's on top of that, it's a life radically changed to walk in the spirit of God that he has given us in his son Jesus in our in, in faith. And our affirmation of faith doesn't come because we see a truth very clearly, but comes from vision from the one who reveals that truth and we know that he cannot deceive or be deceived. So we put our faith in a person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself, he talks all throughout the, the gospels about doing things in order to be saved, right? To lay down your life, to love him more than anybody else, to hate everybody else compared to how much you love him, to bear your cross, to be, uh, to endure persecution, to endure until the end, to do good works, to make a return on the gift that you have been given, to uh, shine your light before men, to be salt of the earth, to not, not sin again, uh, to be born of the water and spirit, to eat his body and drink his blood. You 
that is how you enter the kingdom of heaven and to become like a little child. And this is how we're going to be talking about faith in a second here. But even in John 3:36, when he's talking about believe in the son um, of having eternal life in this belief, it seems like, because uh, a lot of people, as we've been arguing this whole thing, is that it's not just a mere belief. It's also doing the one that you, doing the works of the one that you believe in so that you would uh, obey him. And so that obedience of faith that we talked about in Romans 1, 5 and Romans 16, 26. So it says this in John 3, 36, he who believes in the son has eternal life. He who does not obey the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God rests upon him. So here we already see that it's this distinguishment. If you don't, if you don't believe in God, then you're not going to obey him. And so it's already saying that if you don't obey him, then you truly don't believe in him. So belief is obedience. Belief rather leads to obedience, right? Like what good is it if I believe in my parents' love for me, but I'm not obedient out of love for them? Just as Mark 16 says, Jesus says right in there that he who believes and is baptized will be saved and who doesn't believe won't be saved. So believing leads to baptism because you want to do whatever the one that you've fallen in love in love with tells you to do. So be baptized in order to be saved. First Peter 3.21, uh, baptism now saves us, right? So um, again, it's this faith in the Lord that radically transforms our life to obedience in him and to do the works of Christ, to do the law of Christ, like St. Paul says. And so our faith is an expressive faith through love that is so... Uh, that is a, the saving faith that we need for salvation, right? So uh, it's this, ex- that faith expressed in love. And so now I want to talk about f- childlike faith because it really, like the Lord has given me some beautiful images this past week or so on what it truly means to have a childlike faith. And Jesus says, if you do not turn and become like little children, you will not be saved. So does he mean become child, like childish and just be silly and goofy all the time? No childlike faith, childlike faith. Think of every single child that you have. uh, Think of yourself when you were a child and think of every child that you ever, uh, whether it's your own children, it's a niece or nephew, a childlike faith is this radical abandonment to their parents that they don't do anything apart from their parents. They want to, their first thought in the morning is mom, dad, when they're doing things, they want to show mommy to daddy. They want to do whatever they they say or do. If it's time to go to bed, it's time to go to bed. If they can do this or that, it's time to do that. They follow and they imitate their, their, uh, their parents and they trust their parents. They feel protected by them. There was this one priest uh, showing this beautiful analogy of how when he was young, his dad, he used to take him out onto this lake and this raft and he felt so protected. And when like, if dad like let go of his hand, like let go of the of the thing, he start freaking out, you know? So he wants his dad there. He always wants to be in the presence of his father. And then when he got older, he started questioning more and more things, right? So it's good to question things, but it's ultimately, um, uh, having faith in a person like a child has faith in the persons of their parents. And who is God in the Christian life other than father? No other religion can call their God father like we do. The intimacy of childlike abandonment, childlike faith to do everything in the presence of God to become more and more God-like, to participate in his divine nature, right? So we imitate him. We walk in Christ as St. Peter says, to walk, to follow the footsteps, that uh, the, the example of Christ. And so we become more Christ-like as we as our faith, right? It's a childlike faith and abandonment where we don't even have to, like we can question things. Like it's a, it's a, uh, 
it's a questioning, um, a faith-seeking understanding, just like Mary was, but not like a Zechariah, like a disbelief type of questioning, right? So um, again, it's this childlike faith in the person of Christ because he is trustworthy. And so out of that faith in the person, then we become to believe the things that we can't perceive with our own senses, right? So Christ said that he would feed us with his body and blood. So I believe it. That's my faith. Christ said we can't enter the kingdom unless we're born of water and spirit. So we're baptized. Christ said any divorce is unlawful and we are adulterers. So we stay faithful and committed to our vows in the sacrament of marriage. Christ said we can't. We don't even look at at a woman lustfully. If and if we do, we commit adultery. So we don't. We purify our hearts. Christ said not to hate our brother, so we don't purify our hearts. Christ said to love God with our whole hearts, mind, soul, and strength, so we do. Christ said to love him more than even our mother, father, brother, sister. And if we don't, then we're not worthy of him. So we we do. We, we would rather obey God than men. Christ said to die to self, to pick up our cross, to follow him, to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. So we do. Christ said, forgive from your heart seven times, 77 times, which means stop counting. So we forgive. Christ said to be meek, to be humble, to be pure, to, be, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we do. Christ said to endure until the end to be saved. So we press in and we continue. Christ said that we would be raised from the dead. We believe it. Christ said he and the Father are one. We believe it. Christ said we must enter through the narrow gate, that we can't serve man and God, that we can't be lukewarm. So we believe it. Jesus said when we serve the poor, we're serving him. We, when we give uh, food to the hungry, we give drink to the thirsty. When we visit people in prison, when we clothe the naked, we do, we do that to him. So we believe it. We serve the poor. We serve Jesus and the poor. Jesus said that he, those who believe in me will lay their hands on the sick and they, sh- they will recover. So we believe it. We do it because we believe it, because Christ said it. We believe that Christ gave his authority to Peter and the apostles to bind and to loose the laws in the new covenant kingdom and to, and to forgive sins because Christ said it, so we believe it and we do it. So faith leads to all of these things that Christ has said. We don't question it, even though we can do, we can do a faith-seeking understanding. But guess what? The pillar and the bulwark of truth is the church that Jesus Christ founded on the prophets and the apostles, right? So we see it in Revelation. We see it in Ephesians that, that the church is the fulfillment is the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. So the body of Christ is the extension of the head into this world that Jesus speaks through. When he says in Matthew 10, when he sends out the 12 uh, as the kingdom, when he sends out the 70 as the priests in Luke 70, when he says, when they hear, when they receive you, they receive me. When they hear you, they hear me. Because it is his him speaking through the church. Why do we believe in the Bible? Because the church that Christ founded gave it to us. Why do we believe in all of these things? It's because the church is the pillar and the bulwark of truth that Christ, that serves the word of God, namely the capital W word of God, the Logos, Jesus Christ, from the Son of God from all eternity, that is also fulfilled and is speaks through and is revealed to us in scripture and tradition that, that the church uh, serves from the very beginning and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Why do we believe these things? Because Christ said it. Faith leads to all of these things. So again, faith is an obedience of faith. Faith leads to obedience. In Romans, as we already said in Romans 1, 5 and sixteen twenty six, when people saw Jesus in the first century, they saw a mere man, but the faith of the apostles saw God the son of the living God. When one sees bread today in the Eucharist, the other with faith sees the Lord because Jesus said it. 
in the in Matthew 28, Jesus sees the greatest faith that he's seen on earth, even greater than any faith that he's seen in 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 the in Israel with the centurion because Jesus praises the centurion because he understands obedience to hear and to do and to act because the centurion says, I too am a man of authority with people under me. When I say one to go, he goes. When I say come, he comes. And Jesus praises him for his faith. No faith has he found like this in Israel because he understands obedience of faith. From that faith leads to obedience and all the things that Christ has said and laid down through his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And so the faith that we speak of in salvation, that saving faith is a faith expressed through love, is an expressive faith, it's a saving faith, it's a loving faith. And so again, I've said before, faith and works, nowhere in the church's teaching does it call it that, does it use that, that language. So when people start arguing over faith and works, we say amen to faith. Faith brings us into that relationship with God, but it's expressed through love and we can say exactly what uh uh, St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is greater than faith. That if you, even if you have the greatest faith in the world but do not have love, you are nothing. So you need love, right? And uh, we're going to talk about in the next episode when we talk about the judgment and what are we going to be judged on? Love. It is all throughout the New Testament. It is crazy. It's everywhere. It's all on Jesus's lips. It's on St. Paul's lips. It's in all the letters. It's in, it's in Revelation. What we're going to be judged on is love. But faith is obviously essential as we have figured out, as that we've talked about here, right? So it's a faith that leads us to this new life in the spirit of God. So we need to become like little children in everything, doing nothing apart from the presence of our Papa, to always be doing the works of Christ, to be doing the the works of our Father, to see, to hear, to, to move and to act according to the spirit and not of the flesh, right? To walk in that newness of life. And so faith of a child is that saving faith that brings us into the life of God. Thank you.